with a glance at the red-eyed Bridget. But your message stipulated two o'clock. I wished to speak to Miss Coppy before you arrived, he said. This would spare his having to listen to two females talking at the same time, which females invariably did. As I supposed, she's told me very little more than what you told me, but in thrice as many words punctuated by tears. Lady Clara surveyed the girl, who regained her senses sufficiently to wipe her eyes with the back of her hand. It was Toby, your ladyship, she said. He come by last night. He was so horrid. It come into my mind when Mr. Radford was asking me questions. Toby was still alive. Given this fact and what Bridget had told him about an encounter with a nasty piece of work known as Chiver, Radford was beginning to formulate a theory one he didn't much like. Meanwhile, he was still trying to detach himself from the news that her ladyship had attacked one of the London underworld's most feared young cutthroats with her horsewhip. Are you sure you want to save him? He said. We might be able to retrieve him, but you can't expect us to undo the corruption of his mind. Bridget nodded. He's led easy enough. And once I have him home again and back in school, he's very likely to be led away again, Radford said. Had the mother not been an inebriate, he would have had more hope. Not much more, admittedly. If he does it again, I'll wash my hands, Bridget said. But I know school's hard for him and he isn't clever. I'll try to get him a place as an apprentice. But if he won't stick to it, there's no more I can do. We'll help you find a place for him, Lady Clara said. We? Radford said. Yes. Her ladyship gave him a level look. He gave her one back, then said to Bridget, You may return to your duties. I can report to Lady Clara more succinctly as a soloist. Bridget looked blank. It's all right, Bridget, Lady Clara said. Do go in but wipe your face properly first. You don't want Matron wondering what Mr. Radford said to make you cry. The girl found her already damp handkerchief, scrubbed her face with it, bobbed several confused curtsies at them, and finally left. I did not make her cry, Radford said. She wanted no assistance in that regard. The ticklish part was getting her to tell the story in a logical manner. Lady Clara gazed at him in the way of a patient teacher encumbered with a student of slow understanding. She's fifteen, she said. She's barely educated. She doesn't know Euclid from Eucharist. Where do you imagine she would have learned logic? One and one makes two, he said. She wouldn't go from Whitechapel to Shoreditch by way of Bloomsbury. It doesn't require a knowledge of geometry or Aristotle to understand the shortest distance between two points, whether it's furlongs or words. Judging by the speech your honourable friend made in court yesterday, the concept isn't clear even to university-educated gentlemen. Right, he said. Why were you in court, by the way? I was trying not to get married, she said. He was, momentarily, lost in an unexpected flurry of emotions too confused for him to sort, let alone name. But he swiftly set aside his bewildered other self.
His brain returned to work, and he said, That would appear to be a brand new way to go about it. But if anybody would set the fashion, I reckon it would be Lady Clara Fairfax. You've been studying me, she said. You studied me, he said. Due diligence, do you call it? she said. You're interesting. You were an interesting boy, I recollect. I had better walk about. Some of the girls will be watching at the windows, and the dress shows to best advantage in motion. I'm told they like to see me in my finery. It's good for their morale. While he was trying to digest interesting boy, irritating was the more familiar adjective, she began a slow circuit of the small courtyard. In motion, the dress did appear to great advantage, but he saw more than that. She changed the atmosphere. The effect of beauty.